This is Mike Madrid. And this is Gregory Rodriguez. We're your hosts for Americanata, where we'll be exploring the intersection of race, class, culture, and politics during a time of extraordinary change. We'll be thinking out loud and processing what's on our minds as we go, unfiltered. And we're looking forward to you joining us for this discussion as we explore how we got to this tumultuous moment in the United States. Welcome back, everybody. Gregory, good to see you. Um, some interesting discussion items today on the emerging populism that seems to be more and more present in our political system. I, I refer to it as populism. I'm not too sure how you would characterize it, that I think is part of what we're going to talk about today. But this increasing tendency, which you have educated me on, which is not really increasing, it's kind of always been there, of, of kind of Ivy League educated people who are essentially elites downplaying their educations uh, towards this more populist man of the people bent. So you're Josh Hawley, you're Ted Cruz, you're Ivy League educated, you've got a Harvard degree, a Yale Law School degree, even a George W. Bush type or Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, right? These are from the, the big two, Harvard, Yale, somewhere in the pedigree. And, um, and these are the elites. I mean, that's, that's the passports to elitism in, in America, to the governing class, to the ruling class, to the moneyed class, to the networked class. But now they, they literally, um, if not downplayed it the way that George W. Bush did, and I remembered that, they, they outright attack, uh, they outright uh, uh, kind of attack themselves, which I think is peculiar, is how, 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 uh, how, is uh, if it's not a new phenomenon, is it a more um, are the are the the self-directed attacks at undermining their own pedigrees a new phenomenon? Well, I two things. One, there's always this tension between whether the electorate wants somebody like them or they want somebody a little bit elevated from them that they feel they want to follow. Right. So there's always a tension between are these are, are elected officials reflections of the people or a, or are they the embodiment of the aspirations of the people. Right. So there's always that tension. Uh, do, do, you know, do, do, do they lead us or do we lead them? And I think what's the only thing that's different now is is um, their lies can be called out much more easily. Right. I mean, presumably through through immediate social media and so forth. But. But this, the man of the people has been around for a long time and the disdain for the elite is, 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 part and, is quintessentially American. The, the disdain for the rich and uh, you know, bringing down the rich and how many people, the, 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 I th you know, in, in a weird way, it's, I, I think the, the, the tendency to disdain the rich is probably, I'm just guessing, has been here longer than the last 20 years of the, 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 these, this, the, the tendency to adore the rich. So now we have them together, right? They're, like there's actually this, this, this pr the praise of the rich in the last 20 years and presumably the, during the Gilded Age, right? But I would think that now we've collided between disdain and, 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 and admiration and the Holly Cruz people are where they collide and these individuals who are clearly, you know, Ivy League, Goldman Sachs connected, who have to, who, who go to, on speeches talking about the horrors of the Ivy League and Goldman Sachs. So now, I mean, it's, I think it's a tension that's always been in American politics and it's always been about the hypocrisy and, or the tension. And now it's just more obvious that these guys are just lying. 
but does the uh, does the public care as long as they're saying the right things? I'm wondering if there is a difference between class disdain and a, a new disdain for the educated elite, right? And and I know that I know that I know that there's a huge overlap, but I, I and 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 look, I, maybe I'm guilty of buying into this mythology that Americans less so than most other cultures or countries uh, don't resent our rich. We don't resent the wealthy because we've historically had a pretty good record of building a middle class, right? And, and people have never, like in polling uh, for 30 years, when I look at it, people don't ha hate the rich. At least historically, they have not. There's no resentment. But there is this growing resentment that the, the smarty pants class, the educated folks, the people who are experts, there's a resentment of kind of the educated plugged in elite more than there is for the wealthy. Uh, that, I mean, that's a rich, I think that's a really good distinction. And some of it is the moralism of the educated elite, right? And some of that comes down to the pedigree, the, 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 the Yankee culture, which derives from Puritan culture, which is, and who founded these places like Harvard, Puritans. And so some of the, 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 the basis of social reform culture, which has brought a lot of good things to America, abolitionism, the women's rights movement, but they also brought us the temperance movement, right? They also brought us a deep grain of anti-foreignness and anti-immigration. And there is this there, there has always been coming from the Yankee tradition a we know better than you how to live. There has always been this condescension coming from the Puritan classes, capital P. Um, and, 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 you know, I, one of these, my fascinations in this larger project I'm working on um, is where the Puritan, the, you know, descendants of Puritans, meet the, 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 the border southern people from the, the, the border south and the, and the deep south when they meet and they collide in places like southern Illinois or southern Ohio or southern Indiana. So one of the things I'm really interested in of in this, this work that I do on, on, on the American history is, is where the, the Yankees and migrants from the border south and the deep south collide. And one of the mm. things you'll see over and over again is non-Yankees refer to Yankees as people who, whose business is to, to be in your business. So, so there, is, there, is, there is a tradition of, of, North, of, the, of the Yankees to condescend, to tell you how to live, to tell you what's best. Again, I, I, the caveat is sometimes the rest of the nation needs to hear it. But there, is other time, there are other times where the rest of the nation resents Yankee moral condescension uh, we're going to tell you how to eat. We're going to tell you how much to drink. Um, and so the, the pitfalls of sort of the Yankee Puritan uh, uh, system, and, and again, once again, I just, I emphasize, they are the founders of these elite institutions that this country still reveres, that is still, that are still the gateways to elite status. So it's not new. Does it ebb and flow based off of the economy? Like, are people willing to put up with the the, the moralists when the economy is doing well? And, and the, does resentment grow when the 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 economy doesn't work? Well, you made the good distinction between resentment of wealth and resentment of elitism, 
and education, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to separate them again. So I don't know if yeah. they're related times being good and, and people like people enjoy being uh, uh, scolded. Uh, <laughs> so they're two different things. Um, you know, a friend of mine texted me during a, you know, an HR thing at his work yesterday. He says, Oh God. I mean, you know, the HR culture is very much, we're going to tell you how to live, what's appropriate, what this is very much Yankee Puritan imposition of what is right coming from. It's all coached and is couched in universal language, but it all comes from one tradition, one point of view, and all Americans are to abide by it. HR tradition, again, temperance movement, again, good things, abolitionism, the women's rights movement, but this social reformism is a Puritan Yankee tradition as country, which has its ups and it has its downs. And, and, and my understanding is one of the reasons the South was able to dominate the presidency in the first half of the 19th century was because the, 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 the mid-Atlantic states couldn't stand the Yankees. So they would, so the, if there were three general regions, the North Yankee and North New England, uh, the mid-Atlantic and the South, the mid-Atlantic sort of resented the condescension of the Yankees and, and, and basically voted with the South. So there's always been the resentment of Yankee condescension and, it, and, and it's still in our culture. Uh, so, so, it's, it's, so it's not a function of economics, it's a function of, um, you know, one part of the country telling the rest of the country how to live all the time. And people getting tired of it. Okay, this is this is getting really fascinating because, and I hate to be crass about this, and I know that when I get into kind of the political weeds here, your, your eyes kind of you know glaze back. But no, I like it. The key, the key coalition in the twenty twenty election was college educated whites. College educated white voters were the swingiest. They were the most malleable. There were not a lot of them. We're talking single digit numbers, but it was pretty clear from about a year out of the election that the way these college educated white voters were going to vote was going to determine the outcome of the race. And for the first time, certainly in my lifetime, certainly in the history of of modern polling techniques, these educated whites were turned off by the Republican candidates use of the culture wars right the the moral and i don't know if it's moralizing that trump was doing right no, but culturally he was saying this is the way that we should behave this is the way that america always has been and, and will be and should be and it was he was losing he was yeah. losing republicans let me reframe this trump is the opposite of the yankee puritan reformer he was he based a lot of his rhetoric rhetoric against it so and i th i think i think he's just he's sui generis trump is trump and that was a weird moment of time it's it, it was it was the embodiment of america in many ways but and 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 but but politically i don't want to generalize about that um okay but he did make a lot of hay and republicans will continue to make a lot of hay over Dr. Seuss, they will. It, it sounds silly, but they will gain traction. I, 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 I predict that there is an exhaustion. they Americans are by and large tired of being told how to think and how to behave, and that part of the Trump rhetoric will continue, and I predict will continue successfully. And so, so, and so, the 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 social reformers again happen to be uh, 
uh, once upon a time, you know, they would have been uh, perhaps in the patrician New England party, which used to, used, you know, it used to be GOP. Now it's in the Democratic Party. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 so you get where I'm going at. So I don't think it's a not, go ahead. Yeah. Not only do I get where you're going, I, I think you're explaining in a way that that uh, I think I've had a sense of. But let me let me let me add a couple more points yeah. here, because I think this is very important. And I agree with you. Yeah. I think I, I when I hear the criticism of the Mr. Potato Head stuff and the Dr. Seuss books, I could not agree with you more. This is playing far better for Republicans than most critics of it think. And those critics come from, again, I hate to be crass, but they're coming kind of from the left. They're coming from the moralizers. And what is, you're you're saying something I think is really fascinating because it's always been criticism from the left saying, uh, America's so puritanical, right? It's like, you're you're so puritan. Let's, Let's change our social mores, our social structures to, to allow for a, a, a more libertine society, right? Right. And yet now, now we sit at this moment in time when that puritanical moralizing right. is coming from the Good, left. Great, great point. So when we were born, the left was identified with counterculture. Now the left is identified with the cultural enforcers. Ah, it's still yes. about they still cast themselves as reformers, as being on the out, but they are actually on the in and yeah. they are telling everyone how to live. And, and, and their notions of how to live are based on what they think humans should be. They're always based on a projection of what humans, how they should be. Uh, you know, humanity is a little bit of a, 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 a Plato. And so it's a project, whereas sort of, most people will have some notion of who humans are, right or wrong. And it's so like, wait, is it really bad to say that? It's like, and when, and when you get to the point where too many normal people, and, and I, mind, I remind you, most of this happens through HR culture. Most Americans, you hear it on the TV and it's about universities, who cares, right? It's, but it, it reaches most people in their real lives through human resources. And that's where it becomes oppressive to the average person. Everything else, Mr. Potato Head doesn't bother anybody. No one's you know, gonna come down on you saying yay or no about Mr. Potato Hood. But being told how to behave, and, it's, and sometimes it's very, it, it's, very confu- I mean, it, it's very confusing for a lot of people. Um, so I think that notion, I think, you know, we go through times of, mur- we're, we're, we're living through a time of uh, a puritanical moment uh, in which a certain idea of how humans should behave is being enforced both institutionally and through public um, uh, through public mobs. So we're seeing that every day. That That's not going to last forever. Uh, too many people get burned. And I think the Republicans will have a lot to say about it, assuming, you know, they have their own ridiculous successes uh, as we go forward. And maybe that's the the problem that that people I think are having as we navigate through these times. It's the it's the excesses that we with social media and mainstream media now kind of want to hold up as as the norm when that's not where most people are at. But look, I, I, there's a few things here. One is, um, and I, I was talking to some Republican 
folks who, who are very involved in kind of, quote, for, for lack of a better term, a reform effort, a very large national reform effort with the Republican Party. And there was this realization that all that remains of the Republican Party is this cultural war. Right. Yeah. The, the loss of ideology and free markets and lower taxes and whatever policy positions were identified with Reaganism and Buckleyism and, you know, the, you know, conservatism that I grew up with. That, that's all gone. Right. There's nobody who's who's hearkening back to those days. It is almost entirely a cultural war. Right. And I think you phrased it in a, in a unique way that I think is really impactful. It's that. It's that this is now about moral enforcement. Right. It's not a countercultural effort to broaden who we are and be, quote unquote, more tolerant. This is about enforcement. Right. It's about it's about demanding right. a certain type of behavior and ostracizing and punishing right. those that do not follow those rules. Right. But but let me go to your the, the point about the right. The right doesn't have any intelligent counterpoint to it. The right, it just right. says, I have a right to call people by these names. And so that's not an argument against the excesses of social reform. There's no, in. I mean, there are some middle of the road, but I, I, none of them I feel terrible company, comfortable with, but but there is, there are at some point there's, there's no intelligent conservatism. There's no intelligent Correct. response. It's just like if I want to be a jerk, I can be, and that's that's not an argument against it because it's much more embedded. So therefore, I think the conservatives aren't going to beat it with an argument. They're simply going to beat it by by echoing it about Dr. Seuss a million times. It will get through, it does get through. And to average people, that I talk to tons of people every day, it looks silly. It looks remarkably the right, silly. The right has become an anti-expertise, anti-science, anti-fact, and it's why I think conspiracy theory has taken root. And it's why this anti-elitism that we started talking about has become so manifest. It may not be new, but it is a defining feature of the American right where it says if you are one of those book-learning, high-educated, informed people, you are also a moral enforcer that's telling everybody else from your high perch how to live, and I reject that, and I reject your institutions, I reject your moral code, and I'm going to start labeling it as a, a fascist, authoritarian, right. big government right. regime. But, but let, me, let me take what you just said, and let's take a third category. So it's the resentment of wealth which happens when things are so unequal that they, 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 they insult you. Two, there's the insult of your way that you like to live, that, that, this, that the resentment of over, overarching social reform. And then now you're mentioning sort of a disdain for intellect, period, right? Let's, I think we can separate all that. You're right, they combine, but then you can, you can separate. Um, but again, but let me go back to what, how you started. Harvard and Yale and you know Dartmouth was founded but but by Puritans they all sort of combine in the imagine in the conservative imagination as wealth social reform and intellectual hmm. so they're easily coming to a one monster in your head right but they're kind of three different things now uh, there, there is a uh, you know I, there's a wonderful book about um, uh, um, uh, Okies uh, moving to the West Coast that I read years ago. And one of the the interesting um, things I learned about the culture, which is a, a lot of working class rural Mexicans talk about this, 
was the resentment among the uh, sort of rural Okies that if one of them went up the social educational ladder, that they were, they thought they were better than everyone else, right? There, there's also that the internal leavening, leavening of peasant cultures that doesn't like people going away, that, that enforce, it's not unique to rural Mexicans, that's peasant cultures. So the Okie says, so there's, there's an element of that, like, wait a second, man, you think you're better than us? So there's, an, there's always been an element of tension of that within lots of uh, working class rural origin peoples in the United States, um, which can, can translate into anti-intellectualism. Why, why can't again, you just the, talk like the rest of us? You've heard that yeah, said, you, more, I'm sure, right? Yeah, or or try and you know thread the needle like George W. Bush, who went to Yale but also wears cowboy boots and you know wants to have a beer with the Mexican workers out in the oil patch of West Texas, right? Well, you're just hitting the great. That, that's the, he was the perfect embodiment of what had what the Republican coalition became, a, a Connecticut patrician who went to middle school and up in in was it Waco, right? Um, yeah. so he was the perfect embodiment. And you also think Barack Obama was the perfect embodiment of the Democratic coalition. It was a man with half African ancestry who went to Columbia and Harvard. And so, I mean, melding on some level, uh, at least iconographically, uh, the elitism of the Democratic Party and its it's sort of non-white base. So that both of those men were perfectly emblematic of these very uncomfortable coalitions that both parties have. This is really good stuff because especially in succession and understanding George W. Bush as, as clearly an elite, but, but intuitively understanding the populist base of the party, yeah. Barack Obama, the same thing yeah. and the Democratic Party and then the rise of Bernie Sanders on the left and the complete domination of Donald Trump on the right following these two leaders where there isn't even an attempt anymore. It's the populist base starts to attack the elites. There's no desire to have a, a coalition between the, the patrician Yankees and the, they become the globalist establishment but, swamp dwellers who sold but, out the popular base. But wait base. a second. These populists are elected a freaking billionaire. How, yeah. You're right. I see what you're saying. But yeah. the hypocrisy within it, a man who was attacking globalization, who had, you know, whose daughter had trademarks in China and, and hotels throughout the world. So the, the hypocrisy of that was just extraordinary. You're right. They didn't do it deftly uh, through all sorts of, symbolism that would but they just it's getting more clumsy if you will right and there's nothing there's nothing homesy or or down home about bernie sanders there's in fact that the, 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 the most recent inauguration meme there, right. there's something sort of distant about bernie sanders but he neither of those men emblemized coalitions as you're suggesting now remember george hw he could he was so patrician he didn't have what his son has and look what happened he right. couldn't even pretend to wear. Can you imagine George H. W. in cowboy boots, or or John Kerry? John Kerry. What was it when he? What was his uh, gaffe when he asked for uh, Swiss cheese on his Philly cheesesteak? So there's right. some people who can't really uh, fake it. Can't fake it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's important. I, I think the broader point, though, is that bring it back to Holly and Cruz, right? These are Ivy League educated men. They're now overtly hostile, right? Like Barack Obama and George W. Bush carried their Ivy League pedigrees as a certain level of acceptance in elite society. Say right. what you will. Right. They were educated right. at these institutions and that was their passport to elitism right what the theatrics the performative nature of the politician having to go out and meet the common man was something that i guess we've kind of you know the the, the elites kind of you know at least gave a little head nod to and kind of a wink and I, I kind of i get it right i remember the big thing about george w bush is everybody said oh well people just would like to have a beer with him that's why they like they liked him Trump was the exact opposite. He wasn't even trying. Right. He wasn't even, not only was he not trying, he was openly antagonistic. And that gets us back to Holly and Cruz, which is they're not trying to say to to the upper crust in society, hey, look, I'm I'm a smart, hardworking person. Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, have read the classics. I'm steeped in constitutional law. They're basically overtly saying, burn it down. Burn, These are bad no, people. Yeah, but but their own access to the money that gets them elected comes through the networks of uh, the Ivy Leagues they attended. So yeah, I Ted Cruz just, is married just, to an executive at Goldman Sachs. I mean, come on, we've we've seen this. We've seen this in, in in Latino politics for decades. How many you know? How many uh, upper middle class Mexican American do you see trying to represent poor district who drove fancy cars? And I mean, come on, it's just it's. it's Again, there's a lot of play acting in politics. John Kerry, let me give you an example. I I wrote a piece about it 20 years ago. Apparently, when he was senator, Massachusetts voters thought he was Irish. <laughs> he's not. But he's mm. not going to disabuse him of that belief, that which, which worked in his favor, right? Yeah. So it, there's always this play acting among people. They're at, they, they feign ethnicity. They feign class loyalties. They, they, they lie about all. I mean, they, I'm going to say feign, it's softer, right? So again, it, this, this notion of trying to reflect. And then it, it, and what's interesting is that so what you're saying is in the, 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 this, the, the, the anti-intellectual, the anti-elite rhetoric is so great that they, they, they're, maybe they're forced. Let's, let, me, let me put it the other way. Maybe, Mike, they feel obliged to hide it uh, lest their anti-elite rhetoric fails. I, I, bingo. I think that's what's happening. And I don't know if it's different. I think it's different in, in recent memory. And I think, it, again, not to, to harken back, harken back to Obama and Bush, they were both masters at straddling the populist bases of the party with the elites that actually ran things. Yeah. We, we're, we're at a time now where populism, for lack of a better term, on both sides is demanding an attack on the elites in your very own party to demonstrate how down right. you are with right. the working man, meaning Under- in my estimation, and maybe this is offensive, uneducated, yeah. A lack of expertise. Understood, but we have to yeah. remember that the, the the greatest economic populist of the 20th century American was a patrician, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He mm. was a rich mm. man, and so yeah, I mean maybe I, I, we, I don't I don't know enough about this, but but um, the theatrical nature of it, and maybe the maybe the visual nature. Maybe it's the way we consume 
uh, uh, news visually um, that makes people uh, inhabit these characters that are not their own. Uh, but yeah. anyway, you don't have to be. Uh, yeah, you, you know, but I don't, I don't think Roosevelt uh, could get away with acting like a man of the people if he yeah, ever but tried. The, but, the, but that was the beauty of the of that's okay. This is really important because perhaps more than any family or any individual in the history of our country, the concept of no noblesse oblige, right? The the commitment of the rich of our upper class to the poor and the working man was personified by the Roosevelts and Franklin Delano Roosevelt specifically. That is gone, right? There's a moral isolation amongst the rich, which is, I believe, breeding a resentment amongst the shrinking middle class in this country where people are saying the rich don't give a shit about America okay. anymore. Okay, then you're and they used to. They, they used but to, whether, whether it was because of some civic virtue or maybe it was just good business. But they, they they used to, or at least maybe that was the mythology, but it doesn't exist anymore. Okay, but, but I think you just explained why. Dollars, and you're going to buy a place in New Zealand to take your private jet out but, when America you, collapsed. You no just explained about it anymore. But Mike, you just explained why nobody wants to identify with the wealthy, the elite, uh, those who look down on people, the normal people, because the image of the elite is, has be, is becoming so bad, why would you want to admit to being one? So in other words, Cruz and Holly, given their, who they're trying to appeal to, it's smart. It's smart not to. So one, it gets them the access to money that they, they need to run for large, higher office. And two, they play it down to meet their public. I think you, you just said it at a time when the wealthy are getting are, are essentially I, I, I uh, unless unless let me ask you are, are, is the polling you look at saying that Americans are have grown a disdain for the wealthy or are not because I get the sense they are growing a disdain for those on top they are there's a bigger right. class resentment than I've right. seen now than I've seen the past 30 years then 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 there you go then 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 there's no mystery to the Cruz Holly conundrum because why would you want to be associated with a class that is so disdained? You know, one of, one of the things I, 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 I went to Miami once and I wanted to hate it, but I loved it, dude. It was just so absurd. Uh, it was, you know, it was wealth out of control. And I, there was, there was an, I had this the feeling, that, but here you can look down on the wealthy as, as really a sort of, you know, sort of bottom tier. They don't, the, 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 the uneducated wealthy of Miami. But then you come to L.A. and the wealthy here are revered as moral, morally saintly, right? Mm. It's that weird convergence, which is, again, very Puritan, of elite both in money and in morality and socially. It's when the three, when, when those three pillars merge into one class, like they do in Los Angeles, the the wealthy are skinny. They know how to eat. They know how to be. They're they're, they're morally superior to you because of, of all their political opinions, right? So it's it's the melding of, of think about that. So wealth, um, social standing, and morality all in one. It's the concentration of power in places like L.A. and, and New York that brings them, they have more power. So they, I think they derive greater disdain. I love the idea that Hollywood has become the new, you know, center of, of patrician 
puritanical. It absolutely is. Moral. It Dude, where does the money? Where does the money from de- to the Democratic Party go? Where does the yeah. where, where where do all the sort of moral imperatives of, of progressivism? Where does the money come from? Holly and Cruz, folks, Ivy League populism. Get ready; it's probably going to become more dominant in our political discourse. Gregory, good talking to you. Take care, buddy. Thanks again for visiting with Gregory Rodriguez and Mike Madrid on this episode of Americanata. If you've enjoyed the discussion, please help us out, share, review, and give us five stars. We'll talk to you next episode.